Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host of the Found Down podcast. Oh, this episode is a good one. Oh my gosh. I interviewed Joni Guy. She is a nursing entrepreneur. She has her own business called One World Nursing, but she also has been in a variety of leadership roles in interim, like director roles and CNO roles. And so we have a great conversation about her career trajectory and her business, but we also have an awesome conversation about this nursing exodus that's happening. And I want to give you her perspective. And that is, she says we own the workforce. Nurses, what's up? We own the workforce. So we got to use our power to make things happen. It's a really interesting episode. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. It's going to get started here in like two minutes. I also want to say, Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. And by coming over, I mean the uh, maybe the new listeners from the EMS 2020 podcast. I felt a big spike of love in my downloads. Um, and I think that might be from you guys. So I just want to say thank you. What is up? Thank you very much. Um, and if you want to support Found Down, the best way to do so is to leave a review on whatever platform you listen to it on and an honest review. Um, but anyway, reviews do really help the show grow. And uh, and with that growth becomes awareness and then the Found Down community can grow and people can learn and come together. Speaking of learning, I want to talk about the sponsor of the show, Nicole Kupchik, CNS and educator. You know, she's got some awesome courses and books for nurses that provide continuing education. She's got a hemodynamic monitoring course, a ventilator course, CCRN review, CSC review. Um, She's got on-demand courses and she has online courses, webinars. She has a ton of books. Anyway, pop on over to her website and as a listener of Found Down, you can get 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20. So her website is NicoleKupchikConsulting.com, and you can use a coupon code FOUNDOUT20 at checkout to get 20% off her products. Okay. Last but not least, yeah, I've got some really fun interviews coming up, and I cannot wait for you to hear them. I'm really, really excited. I'm hitting a variety of different topics and cool guests, so stay tuned. And with that... Enjoy this episode with the fabulous Joni Guy. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found End Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. I'm really excited because I have Joni Guy on the show. She's a nurse, or I should say Joni Guy, MSN, and JD, which I will want to ask her about. Um, But she's a nurse and a traveler at heart with a great love and respect for nurses. When Joni is not working in U.S. hospitals, she and her husband live in the south of France. That is so cool. (laughs) Um, having been in the nursing field, both as a staff nurse and a leader for over 30 years, Joni is sharing her travel passion with nurses through one world nursing. Essentially, Joni hosts trips where nurses can travel the world and earn CEUs. I wanted to have her on the show to talk about her nursing entrepreneurship and trajectory, but as stated 
Joni has a great this great love of nurses, and she has some thoughts about this nursing exodus that's currently happening. So this episode's sort of going to be a two-parter where we talk about her career trajectory and then and her business, and then we're going to switch gears into what's happening right now. But you know, before we do any of that, how are you? How are you really? How am I really? I think I'm really, really okay and really good. I think working six months for a hospital and healthcare and then six months off in France, I don't think that's too bad. I think I'm okay. <laughs> oh my God. You must share your secret sauce. Like how did you make this work for you? Because that does sound like a dream. Mm, it's a dream. I think after many, many years and um, building a career that could sustain me um, six months on and then building. I actually, I have to lie. I lived in the Middle East and um, they paid me a lot of money to be a director of Cleveland Clinic. And I put that money into a house in France and, and it's really easy to live in France and it's really easy to work in a room traveler leadership in the United States for six months, six months on. So wow, that's, yeah, that's how we did it. That is so cool. I like, I think you're inspiring people out there right now. You're inspiring me personally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, this is so interesting. Um, Can you tell me a little, I know you've been in the field for over 30 years, but can you share with us your nursing trajectory? And and when did you get your JD in all this also? Yeah, well, I can tell you from the beginning, nursing was not a calling for me. I'm not one of those people. Um, it was practical. It was, you know, you start as a candy striper, you know, I graduated like almost 40 years ago and, uh, from nursing school, there wasn't a whole lot of choices. Um, lawyers were nerdies and doctors were nerdier. Um, <laughs> so my desire was to be a nurse practitioner, midwife kind of led me to nursing cause you had to have a degree. Um, I went to Hawaii for nursing school. Uh, and then I went on for more education. I guess I just I think I went to nursing school at a time and entered the field when it was really good. That's in the eighties and the nineties. So I had a lot of benefits for going on to graduate school. I went to UCSF and then I went on to um, Sonoma state and got another master's. And then um, I, I worked for Kaiser in the Bay area and UCSF and, and did, did a bunch of sort of interim traveler things in the Bay area. And I think around the the 90s, I just had done it all kind of. I'd even gone to New York and worked there, which was scary. And then I decided, okay, I'm kind of done with with nursing. I I mean, I I enjoyed it. I had a great career for those those 20 years, but I decided to be a lawyer and went to law school. And halfway through law school, you kind of figure out that lawyering is kind of liar lying and nursing is very, (laughs) nursing is very ethical. So I knew I I wasn't going to go into malpractice, which I had done my internship in with lawyers. Well, so it led, I was working in the PACU in um, Kaiser in in, uh, Oakland, California. And my manager left and I was, you know, just a traveler nurse there. And I had just finished law school, uh, ready to go into health law, do something. Uh, And my manager asked me if I would take over her job. Now, I'm not one of these people that ever was charge nurse. I was not a wannabe manager. I, I did not have those ambitions. I was going to be a lawyer. But I had all my friends there. Um, we had a really close group. Like I said, back in the, from the 80s to 2000, nursing really was, especially in California, amazing career. I, I am very selfish. and I wouldn't have stayed in it if it hadn't been great. And so my friends were my friends. So I went into management I went, started a little manager of PACU just to do it for my friends. That's all just to take care of my friends. And here I am 20 years later, I'm taking care of my friends and my nurses. They've become, my nurses have become the most important thing to me. Uh, I'm a leader that does it because I care. I'm not doing it because I want to help. I want to care first. Mm. And so 20 years later, I um, have been uh, Cleveland Clinic, uh, Kaiser for a long time and uh, St. Joseph's and a couple others. And about five years ago, after I built the house in France, thank, thanks to uh, the oil money in the Middle East, 
Cleveland Clinic, um, I decided to go interim. And for the last six years, I've done six months in California hospitals as interim director or chief nursing officer. And then six months in France, um, sort of goofing off and building my business. So that's my nursing trajectory. It's a little bit different than most. And that's my leadership, why I'm in leadership really for the nurses. Mm. It's kind of a different approach. So many questions. Um, (laughs) I'm wondering before you got, before you decided to go into, you know, when you, when you got that opportunity to be, to take care of your friends in the PACU, um, did you, what type of nurse nursing were you in? Did you do, um, like midwifery or well, not midwifery, but did you do like labor and delivery or, or did you get into any of that kind of women's health stuff? No, that you were I, kind of thinking I of? never did. I never did. I, um, once I was in nursing school and I saw that Swan's Gans catheter that we used to use for open heart, I was like, Oh, I want to be a critical care nurse. So most of my 20 years, uh, was heavy duty ICU critical care. And a um, little bit of surgery, OR, and then emergency room. And you, you name it, I did it. Home health, um, med surge. So I'm pretty well-rounded. I think there isn't any area I have not done. Uh, but if you wanted to identify me or where I really resonated with, I was a strong critical care open heart nurse. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That was really my passion. Um, no, I, I want to say this, but I don't want to offend anybody out there, but I'm like, this is why I like you. Um, <laughs> no, <I don't> know. <laughs> maybe why I'm drawn to you. No, I don't know. But, um, Thank you. you're I, so kind. Thank I, you, Nicole. <laughs> well, my background's in critical care. Um, oh, yeah. only so, um, oh. I mean, I've done leadership roles and stuff, but, um, anyway, okay. but so before we go on to your, well, can you, can we go to your, talk about your, um, leadership positions? Um, you, it sounds yeah. like your leadership style is that you're, you're, I mean, you're caring. So I'm imagining like you're an advocate, right? You probably maintain the nurse's voice. How, oh. how do you do that in, in a big corporate environment? You, you know, you know, so many people on TikTok and people I hear, feel like they can't get their word out and they can't get their um, needs for the nurses met. And I swear I have never felt that way and I'm not being Pollyannish. And I think it might be my law degree scares people. Maybe I don't (laughs) know what it is, or or maybe I'm really not in it to be in it forever. I'm in it as long as I can take care of nurses and do the right thing. I'm just all about, I've seen great nursing and I grew up in it in California. I grew up um, with great leaders. UCSF was like the first hospital that was going to be magnet before there was a magnet. And it truly was magnet. Unlike some of the hospitals that are not magnet that are magnet. Um, and yeah. I just, I just grew up with a really great foundation of, of hospitals. So my, I've always been able, I say that, and I've, I've always been able to do the right thing and get, get it done. Um, California helps too, because we've, in 2004, we had ratios, but we were always kind of progressive in California. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, so like, for example, I, there was a one interim job I went to and I, I noticed that something was wrong in the PACU. I just, I, I, I lead by observing first, just kind of looking at the, the workplace, it's kind of like a lean leadership. I have a black belt mm-hmm. in Kaizen leadership. So kind of just look and look and listen. And so I saw that nurses were really never at the bedside of the patients that came out of surgery. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, I know these people are, are good people. They seem good people. Why aren't they at the bedside? So the more I explored, the more I realized, and they told me we're short, we're short. We can't be 10 places or four places. So we did, we did some work. Um, the, that hospital Kaiser had thought we were the most efficient because, you know, we, we worked with less nurses so I, turn, I told the person that was doing some um, finance work, no, we actually, we actually had some real sentinel events and things happen. We're, we're six nurses short. And mm. so we got the six nurses. I guess I know how to make good cases from law school. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, mm. Another one very first in my brand new leadership in the PACU, they wanted to bring the PICU kids into the PACU. We didn't have 
pick you kids in the PACU. And I made a case that the PICUs should go to the PICU post-op from surgery. That was the standard of care and the evidence. So I don't know, I just did the evidence and did the research. So I've never felt like, I guess if someone had told me I couldn't do what was right for the nurses, I probably would leave. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like that. I'm a traveler at heart. I don't put up with it because I want to be a leader. <laughs> I put up with it because I want to help and do the right thing. I don't know. Oh. I, I, maybe I, you know, I, I am spoiled. I'm sure if I went to Alabama, I could not make a difference. <laughs> Once I saw the ratios, I'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. Um, so there's might be some of that. I'm spoiled perhaps in, in California could be that. Mm. Yeah. That, Gosh, that's so interesting that you have these like interim leadership roles because you really probably get a you get a good sense of the place and 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 you know if you're in the leadership roles, I mean you get a you get a organizational view of kind of what's going on and how things work or maybe what's not working and. Oh yeah. Um, quickly. Yeah. Quickly. You get the, after you do it after a while, it's pretty much in two weeks, I can pretty much assess an entire, right now I do either chief nursing officer or director of surgery. Um, either way, there's multiple units and pretty much in two weeks I can assess the problems because, you know, if you come at it by caring, the first thing I always do, not because it's uh, uh, manipulation. The first thing is I learn people's names. Uh, and they always say, oh, you know, everyone's name. Well, well, okay. Why, why would I not know your name? Um, your name is your most important, most important thing is you. Why would I not learn your name? So pretty much after you learn people's names and you ask people about themselves, pretty soon they start to tell you the problems. Um, so in about two weeks, you know, all the problems, what you haven't seen, you've heard. And um, people ask, how do you find, figure that out? Um, well, just listen to people, listen and look, listen and look. And, you know, when things don't match up, you just kind of, you just kind of explore a little bit more. I did get a, I was going to get, um, part of my first master's was to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner. You can see I'm all over the place with my education. Uh, so I think that helps me with a little bit of probing, probing into people's whys and hows and you told me everybody's leaving because of the pay, but the pay is what you signed on to. It turns out they're leaving because they they can't get their vacations. Ah, um, yeah. So yeah, so that's my leadership style is, and the interim is really fun. Uh, I'm kind of the cleanup woman though, because um, I really do go into places after they can't figure out what's wrong and they know something's wrong. And um, even California, we have some you know pretty shitty. Um, units within when hospitals, you know, we have some toxic leadership and we have some bullies and we have um, managers and leaders that they, they, they are trying to do their job, but they don't really care about the people. So I come in and I'm the cleanup woman and it's pretty exhausting after about six months. Um, but uh, it's pretty fun in the first three months. Um, <laughs> kind of freaking out. Do, so you, do you have like an agency that hooks you up with these leadership positions or like a headhunter kind of person? Yeah, I have both. I have, I have both. There's, you know, just like there's a lot of travelers going on in the country, um, travelers being staff nurses, the, for some reason, leaders are called interim. I don't know why we don't call ourselves travelers, but whatever. Um, pretty much the same thing. And we have, we have our own agencies that focus on leaders, uh, interim leaders. And then we have HUD hunters. So there's lots of um, opportunity and just kind of find, I always seem to find the big health systems. I i don't really go into podunk places too much. So I'm spoiled by that too. And that may be why I get what I want because health systems in California generally, um, not to be Pollyannish, but generally they're pretty much uh, focused on the right thing. Um, they're, they're all not for profit. I mean, that doesn't mean they don't make money, but they are focused on the right thing. And, and I, I work a lot in Northern California. So we have a lot of hospitals in Northern California, really good ones. UCSF, Stanford, Kaiser, a lot, yeah. lot of really good ones. Sutter, Sutter's great. The bar is high. Um, it is. Is it ever hard? Well, 
I mean, you probably say, oh, I'm only available for here for this amount of time. And then they're, they're like, but wait, we haven't filled our position, but it's not their problem. Do you just peace out and get out of there? Or is there ever? I always, have- I always get asked to stay for the permanent. And I, I, I'm always consider that a compliment, but um, there's no way in high hell I would ever take a full-time job again because I don't need to. And why would I? When I, and you know, France and France. Yeah. Yeah. France. And, and I am really working on um, building my business. And so, and, you know, it's hard to work even six months when you're trying to build a business because these jobs that I do are 60 hours a week. Uh, they're not paid for that, but, you know, you end up, if you're a good leader, you don't leave until the job is done that day. And right. it's off. 12 hour day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I never want to be permanent again. I've kind of done that and it's, it was good. It was great. I'm glad I was, but um, no need to be permanent again. Uh, How long has it been since you had a permanent position? Mm, Five years ago, I think it was 2015. So it's six years actually. And that was with um, Cleveland clinic. Oh, cool. Is that in Dubai or something or UAE or it was, well, we helped them build a brand new hospital from the ground up, uh, not the building, but the operations in Abu Dhabi, which is 45 oh, cool. minutes from Dubai. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have a girlfriend who worked over there for, well, she worked actually in Doha and she, oh, yeah, for mm-hmm. one of the prime ministers and she just, you know, there wasn't, she wasn't doing anything, but she just raked it in, you know? I mean, she was <laughs> yeah. working really hard, but she wasn't like having her social life wasn't huge. Um, so yeah. she just we, saved all saved it up. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great experience. And and labor is inexpensive, except for the American leaders. And labor is very inexpensive over there. So we had a lot of a lot of help. So I didn't have to work, you know, sixty hours a week. Although it was a great job. And then before that, I was permanent full time with Kaiser. I retired from there and full time with St. Joe's. Uh, which is Providence Health. Yeah, so been full-time several, most of my career, except for the last six years. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's totally awesome. Um, and I'm sure you're inspiring people listening. Like, how can they get on the Joni Guy plan? Because that sounds really, <laughs> really, really great. Um, let's talk about your business, One World Nursing. Yeah. When, when did you decide to start that? And um, can you talk a, bit, a little bit about the evolution yeah, I decided to start that probably uh, several several years ago, and it really came from some of my work that I do. I work in Sri Lanka. Um, I, th- I think everybody knows where Sri Lanka is, but it's over near India. And um, and the reason I got into working with Sri Lankan nurses was when I worked in Abu Dhabi, we were trying to recruit them, and they weren't at the level that we could recruit them. So I sort of made a commitment. You know, you kind of watch that CNN hero thing and you think, hey, I'm not doing anything really meaningful in life. Why don't I find some real meaningful thing? So one of the things I really committed to was helping Sri Lankan nurses uh, raise their standards. So I still do that. I go over there and help them with their hospitals and raising their standards. And so it it really um, developed a, a, a different passion in me uh, than just leadership. It was really kind of helping 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 nurses grow. And then there was one of my, and so that was a seed that was growing a little different than the leadership. And then I had one of the interim jobs where I had to find six new brand new nurses and make that business case, which we did. And I just sort of fell in love with the, oh, I have to mention it was during COVID. Yeah. Uh, And I fell in love with these nurses, um, but I was also a leader during COVID. So we were joined at the hip. And, um, it was probably of course the toughest time ever in, uh, in, in my leadership. Uh, and I think they actually ended up having a pretty decent experience about the way they went through COVID because of leadership. Um, yes, we had to do our little N95s in the brown bag, but it wasn't a big deal because of leadership and, keeping them in the loop. And after I just sort of fell in love with these nurses, I realized I want to, I want to spend more time with nursing outside of the hospital because I've reached my limit of what I can do inside the hospital. I keep 
doing the cleanup girl routine in these hospitals. So out of that came a passion to take my travel passion, which I've traveled around the world several times and lived around the world and, um, and my passion for education and put the two together. And I wanted to, I wanted to just like lawyers, lawyers and doctors, cause that was my, some of my background lawyers and doctors can go annually to Maui or wherever it is and do their CEUs and knock them off. And you can stay in the classroom all day if you want to be that, or you can check them off and go out to the beach. But every lawyer and doctor knows there's places they can go around the world and get these things. And they do every few years. My husband's a lawyer and uh, nurses don't have that. We have to do these boring CEUs at home. And we usually, we usually end up, you know, doing it the last time or we can't keep track of them. And it's just been a pain in the butt for, for most of my friends. And it's mostly not stuff that's life changing. So I wanted to put together a business where I could really help nurses, um, outside the hospital, do more for them and um, combine my passion and um, leave some kind of legacy for for nursing, leave something. Um, And if people copy me and uh, and all of a sudden there's, you know, crews every year, you can go and get your CUs and that's what we do. We have our friends every year and people copy. I'm good with that. I just want to put in place a place where nurses can connect and they know, hey, every two years I go to I go to Sri Lanka, I go to Hawaii and I see all my nurse friends and I get my 30 CUs and I'm D for done. So I um, put together a business and have been building it. Uh, I've been taking people to France for years, um, nurses and friend friends. And so our first few trips uh, next summer are with some guest speakers from TikTok. And um, oh, yeah, some, some famous TikTok people. Uh, and it'll be more on TikTok soon. Okay. Uh, and so we're going to um, have four trips this summer. COVID just like screwed with us last year, of course, and the year before. Um, so we're going to have four trips to France this summer, small trips, 12. Um, you can get up to any amount of CUs you want because part's going to be in person and part's going to be um, that you can do independent study. But by the end of the trip, you'll have a- any amount that you need. And um, we go to the south of France, the area uh, near Bordeaux, near, uh, it's called the Dordogne. Oh, and yeah. I, oh, you, oh, you I know lived it, in huh? um, Poitiers for three months when oh. I was 20. Ran, I studied oh. there, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. So you know it. Yeah, yeah. that's neat. Uh, so it's in the Dordogne area near all the castles and uh, lots, lots of history, the old caves, the Lascaux Caves, where the um, Cro-Magnon man used to play in the caves. And... Um, so that's the business. And I took on a partner. He's younger. And uh, he was one of my managers that I worked with when I was at Cedar Sinai during my interim. And I just really love him. And uh, he's on TikTok too. But we, we met through leading together and our styles are really complimentary. Um, he's very detail oriented and very focused. And I'm more creative and also experiential and just somewhat practical. But um, so the two of us, we have built this business and we're just keep getting kind of like stuck with the stupid COVID thing. But this summer should be, um, should be our four, four nurses, four trips to South France and go from there and, um, you know, just build annual, annual trips. And then kind of want it to be a, like kind of the Rick Steves for nurses where you can look and say, yeah, I want to go to Croatia. Oh yeah. They've got a, they've got a cool thing on critical care to Croatia. Um, make it easy for nurses, make it easy and always have a nurse educator, always have a nurse, not an educator, like we think of in the hospital, those people, um, but always have a, a real nurse uh, teaching and, and as part of the, part of the trip for, for nurses. So that's how the, the idea came about. And that's the, that's the journey. And it was called one world nursing. Really. I've, we've kind of changed the name. We went to one tours, one nursing education when Matt and I became partners, but the name one world nursing came obviously from, well, not obviously, but when I lived in Abu Dhabi, I had to travel around the world to recruit a thousand nurses for the new hospital. And I realized um, we're all the same. We basically come from the same curriculum all around the world. We interpret it a little bit different. Like for example, in England, um, they don't rely on doctor's orders as much as we do. You can get people out of bed without a doctor's order. 
Um, in Australia, they have quite a bit of independence and autonomy more than we do. And their curriculum, though, is pretty much the same. Uh, and around the world, we are the same. We are the same. We, we feel the same. We, we think similarly. It's just a matter of the knowledge that we have or the autonomy we have. But, but um, I, was, I was really struck with um, how similarly we practice around the world and uh, how similarly we think and care uh, around the world as nurses. So that's where the name came from, One World Nursing. That's my TikTok handle at at One World Nursing. How many trips have you been on with um, your groups? You think so far? It, before COVID, we've taken a, a few trips with nurses, but uh, during the last two years, during COVID, zero because yeah. every time we started to go, France would um, close down. We were able to go. My husband and I could always get in because we had visas. But yeah, the last two years we couldn't. Nothing. So before that, yeah, I've taken trips with nurses to, to France, but not on the scale uh, that we're doing now. So COVID, um, uh, it's shifted us. Are you fully booked? For- we are, we are just putting the word out. Um, it, it wasn't until the TikTok nurses that are going to be the speakers uh, have signed the contract. Then they're going to start marketing on TikTok. And um, for 12 nurses for each trip. So I imagine we'll get uh, fully booked. Um, they're pretty big names on TikTok. And a couple of trips I'll be teaching and, and bringing one other person that feels right to teach with me. Um, topics from anywhere from critical care to resilience and, and joy in the workplace to nurse advocacy. Um, so a couple, couple speakers on nurse advocacy. I think I might know uh, who you might, might know. be coming on your trip. <laughs> <laughs> you might know. You might know. You uh, might know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, going into uh, entrepreneurship from nursing at the hospital, which is so stable, right? We can always get a job. Um, it, going into the entrepreneurship the word's too big to say, um, is um, so much of the unknown, as you know, doing your, your doing all the things you're doing that are not hospital-based. It's, um, it's a, definitely a shift mentally to go into the unknown. And uh, so it's exciting. You know, most of the days I'm really excited. And other days I'm like, oh, I'm really doing this? Oh my God. And I have to remember I, I'm being helpful. I'm doing it to be helpful. It's okay. Um, cause I'm not really doing it for the money. I, you know, it isn't about the money for me. It's about, it's about how to help nurses, but I, I tell you, it's a whole different skill set to go into entrepreneurship and business than it is to go into the hospital and care for patients or care for nurses. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very different. Um, but exciting, you know, you're in the travel space too, which you have a natural affinity for because that you've, you're, you know world traveled and well-traveled and you understand that space, but, um, I just, I love it. I love this idea of what you're up to. And I want to tell people that I did see on your site that you sponsor a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're sponsoring a new grad on each, on each nurse, um, cruise, part of their tradition. Yeah. On each of their trip. Yep. We're going to be so- sponsoring a new grad. Um, but we haven't worked out the the process for that because we really want to get them nominated. And okay. um, so one of the things we're developing, and we haven't done this yet, we just have names. We're developing a board for our for our company, uh, a board of nurses and non-nurses. And um, so we really want to vet vet the things that we're doing and make sure they sound right. We don't want to just me and Matt figure the world out here. Um, and so one of the things we know we want to do is we want to sponsor a new grad on the trip. And we don't know the process of how we're going to choose them yet. Um, Cause we don't want to choose them ourselves. We want it to be a little wider audience that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a nomination sort of excitement on, on naming and choosing this, this person. Well, I just, you know, it's another way to give back, which I think is so great. It's so hard to be a new nurse. It's so hard to be a new grad, especially yeah. during this time. Oh my gosh. Before we get into this, uh, this whole nursing exodus. Um, I just want to ask you, how was it being in a director role 
during the pandemic? Like what was the, I know you said that your leadership made a difference or like having good leadership made a difference, right? Um, yeah. But I think it did. how was that experience? Um, I was scared to death, but I couldn't be scared to death in front of my people. I could a little bit, but I felt like I was in the army. I felt like it what must be when you take on a war and you're leading your troops and you're like, don't know what's over that hill, but you have to say, come on, come on, guys, come with me. Let's we're going to get this done. It was very scary because, you know, you know, the first week you're like telling your people, no, uh, no need to wear a mask. It's all cool. And second week, you're like, um, they're all of a sudden they're wearing masks and you're like, no, 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 we, we don't want to wear masks. We, you know, they say we shouldn't wear masks and then they're wearing masks. And then the third week you're, and you're kind of like torn. Cause you're like, well, yeah, I understand masks are okay. And you're kind of like, you don't want to tell them not to. And then the third week you're like, uh, we're going to all wear masks. <laughs> and then the fourth week you're like, you're going to wear this mask, not that mask. And you had like, Four, we had like daily huddles. Oh God, at least four times a day. And thank God my people were, um, were, were speaking up and sharing. I remember this one time I, I, in a group huddle, because I mean, we had to really limit our PPE. We had, we had enough if we were very careful with it and some were putting on PPE uh, or putting on the N95s, you know, when they weren't anywhere near a patient and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. We got to be careful. And, and, and it was like that every day. And, and I remember there were people, my nurses were coming up to me and they were like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I thought to myself, I can't lose a person. I can't, we, we need everybody, but we don't need everybody to take care of COVID patients because there's other things to do. Employee health all of a sudden became the buzz center. So I remember, you know, really kind of comforting people. And I, I don't even, I didn't ask permission. I just, you know, I said, you know what, I would rather you go, you go help employee health, you go them, you'll be safe there. Oh, can I do that? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. And then there were others that like, I can't do this. I'm like, okay, well, what can you do? Mm -hmm. And I didn't lose one person. I didn't lose one person that went out because I knew if I didn't handle these people, right, they would go out and we needed everybody. And the most amazing thing really was um, asking the nurses, well, you kind of ask and you kind of tell what you didn't really tell because you had to ask if they, the PACU nurses that had ICU, anybody had ICU, of course, nobody wants to raise their hands, but they did. And, you know, helping them transform into ICU nurses. And that was, you had to be incredibly sensitive to these people because I mean, there they were dressed up, you know, so I had to go up and see them in the ICU like four times a day, just to comfort them. Like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because, I mean, I was asking them to do something that was terribly uncomfortable. And then my OR nurses that didn't have any background, I turned them into med surge nurses. And, you know, I had to be terribly, terribly sensitive to, can you do this? Is it okay? They're like, well, I can't do that. Okay, what can you do? Okay, you can take food trays. Okay, you take food trays. And then my techs, my surgical techs, they, you know, they got together and God bless them. They're like, you know what? We're going to be the airway team with the anesthesia. Oh my God, you guys, that's great. So we had, we had food every day too. Somebody ordered food. They, the, the community, it was such a community. It was such a group effort. And I was scared to death every day because you didn't know who had COVID. Right. Um, but it was, so it was really hard, but you know, I was, I have to say, I was really proud that you know, when I left, it was interim interim assignment. You know, they made me a picture. They don't, I don't always get this at every interim. You know, I had a photo. It was every one of them and me. And I had a cake and I this and that. And I knew I had touched them. And it was incredibly hard. And um, it was incredibly hard because you had to be a very agile leader. One moment you're doing this. One moment you're making sure this person doesn't lose it. One moment you're going up to ICU and say, okay, okay, I'll take you off. You go back. I'll put you in mid-search. You're not comfortable. And then, you know, pissing off, you know, the big leaders and saying, she needs to be in ICU. Okay. 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 She, she, she does need to be in ICU, but she can't. Right. Uh, would you, would you rather lose her or, you know, and having to, you know, deal with these, you know, the big leaders, other leaders that didn't have the sensitivity, they're like, just put him in ICU. Just tell him what to do. Those are the leaders that are leading in our, in our hospitals, these mm -hmm. bitches, excuse my French. Um, there's a lot of them that don't have compassion for nurses and they don't have skill and kind of, okay, we can, we can do this, that, this, and, you know, 
come out. Everybody can find their little niche and it can be okay. It can be okay. Yeah. Uh, they don't yeah. have that kind of agility. It's like, I mean, oh, do this, do that. I mean, these nurses were, I mean, everybody basically was scared out of their minds. So you're working with yeah. a really scared, stressed out workforce. And then some of these folks, you're asking them to do this skill from maybe 20 years ago. And they're like, oh, shit, I'm going to make a meta or I'm going to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to yeah. totally like this is going to be awful. And I and they're like, uh, you know, afraid for their license, afraid for yeah. their patients, like just afraid, yeah. afraid, afraid. So I think being with your staff and like being being able to hear them and see their actual fears and like understand it. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe that isn't a good idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe they don't yeah. need to be here and maybe we can do something else. Like, what can you do? That's just, I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was really a fulfilling, I think I put all the skills I had of, you know, my psychiatric background, my clinical background, my care, my real reason I'm in nursing. And, um, and I think those nurses up until when I left, I don't know what happened after left, but um, because I left in March and April and then you know, COVID never ended. Um, but I think if you'd asked them <laughs> when I left, they would say, wow, Joni took me through COVID and it was the best it could have been. Um, and so I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that because I don't think any of the, any of those nurses, the time I was there broke, they didn't break. They didn't break. Of course, with all the death hadn't come yet. All the death, some death was coming, but not all the death. And that's what really, if I'd stayed there through all the death, though, I would have been a different leader. You know, I would have brought that damn counselor in, you know, four times a day. And we would have done a lot of dealing with loss and grief and death and dying and all that crap that I'm sure nurses did not get. You know, I mean, it must have been horrible. I didn't see all the body bags and everything. Yeah, I'm so lucky where we are. didn't. We definitely had our surges, but we didn't have that like running out of body bags and seeing all the people stacked up and more. Cars. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that they needed counselors there, you know, eight hours a day, 16, 24 hours a day to, to survive that. They all have post-traumatic stress disorder, most of them. And rightly so you would expect that. I mean, who, who wouldn't have had that? And it's really a shame how they got broke, broken. Um, there's just. I mean, maybe there wasn't anything we could have done. I know a lot of people thought, oh, we didn't have PPE, you know, this is wrong. Even Kaiser, they flew a plane to China to fill up on PPE and China uh, withheld it and the plane flew back empty. So, um, you know, there were a lot of shortages and reasons for it that were out of control. But there were also, because we use just-in-time supply, we, we, everything is so FedExy that we don't keep supplies near the hospital anymore. It's, it's one day delivery. So mm -hmm. we just like the shopping, the grocery stores, it's just, it all comes in on a truck every day. So if you need, you know, 10 crates of soup tomorrow at the grocery store, you won't get it because the truck isn't in yet. So that's part of the, why we didn't have the PPE because we went to the just in time about 10, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. but it was awful. Yeah, it was really awful. But um, I really feel bad for the nurses that went through this because um, the ones that really did see the body bags, you know, empty and the cold trucks and everything. I mean, it's like they needed so much support. I mean, oh my God, I cannot imagine what they needed. Yeah. <sighs> so on this note, I, I, I want to transition to oh, this um, exodus that we're having um, in our, the healthcare field and particularly in nursing. Um, the, I'm sure every lot of people who listened are who listen um, have seen the Atlantic Monthly article about why healthcare workers yeah. are leaving in droves, and you know, like the AACN right now, they did a poll recently, and it's like 66 percent of nurses are considering leaving the profession. Mm, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, what, what, I mean, especially cause you were in a, you've been in leadership for a long time. Like what, do you, what's your sense of this exodus? Well, I think by the way that Atlanta article, Atlantic article is one of the best I'd read. It was the most realistic article because a lot of articles are very superficial about this exodus. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this, this great resignation, this great reflection, this great uh, whatever change it is, um, it's, it, it, I think it's going to um, stop nursing in its tracks, 
stop healthcare in its tracks. Already hospitals, day after day, more and more hospitals, 10 yesterday, um, stopped, either stopped their emergency room or closed part of their hospital because they couldn't staff it. So, so that is a true staff shortage. Um, that is not a, a nursing shortage, as we say, but a nursing shortage for that hospital um, because of those intolerable conditions. Uh, I kind of see it, you know, I, nobody ever really agrees with me, but I remember when that girl Gretchen kind of went after that big TV mogul um, for the sexual harassment and brought down the Murdoch or whatever she brought down. And I feel like it was the first time that a really, really strong woman in my recent memory brought down the big man at the top. And I feel like nurses, um, of course, have been exploited and taken advantage of, especially outside of California. It's horrendous. Um, and they have been treated very, very poor, poorly. And they are not going to take it anymore. They're not going to take it anymore. Unless, you know, there are there are nurses that we know that work in uh, the South that uh, and all over the country that have pretty rough conditions, but they have good leaders. It seems to be like if you have a leader that cares, um, they, uh, that can be the the impetus for staying and not leaving. And I talked to a lot of my travelers because when at this first interim that I just started a few months ago, we had a lot of travelers and now we're fully staffed, funny enough. Um, not mm. funny, but strategically enough. Um, but I love talking to them because um, they it really a lot of it goes back to leadership. Um, there's not a one that doesn't talk about the poor leadership that they left. Um, leaders have leaders have lost it. So I have seen a lot of really poor leaders and I kind of make a difference between a leader that helps, they help get the job done. They help schedule, they help hire, they help this, they help the, the check the boxes and they look like they're doing the job, but they don't care. They're not a leader that really cares about these people. Who are these people? They treat them like children. Um, leaders talk down as if these are not adults. I hear it all the time. Um, somehow they get into this, you know, kindergarten teacher mode. Um, I guess that's all they know. Um, and they just don't have the ability to really come down to the same level and let the nurses decide, let the nurses decide what's going to work. Their nurses are pretty reasonable people. They're not going to ask for the, the moon. Um, they're just going to ask for some reasonable things, uh, 99% of the time. So I think this whole healthcare system, unfortunately is, is pretty much breaking, um, without ratios, we're the only state that has them. Um, I think, you know, it's very frustrating to me, this um, evidence of Linda Aiken's work uh, where she did the work on ratios, uh, you know, the mortality goes up if you don't have them. This is long, long old work and leaders not listening. They're arguing about that, that ratio work that she did. They're arguing about um, advanced, you know, advanced skills for nurses, that nurses need more education. I don't believe they need a bachelor's, really, I don't but I think they need a more uh, evidence-based um, experience and conferences and education. They need on the job education. I mean, most nurses get thrown into it. They have no time to see their policies and policies pretty much suck for the most part that the year has changed on them, but the content's not. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's seriously bad. It's seriously, seriously bad. And I think for, for once women, 99% of the nursing is women, um, I think it's actually 90%. So it's like 10% whoopee and man. Uh, women are saying, no, we're not taking it anymore. We're not doing it. Um, kind of the big middle finger, kind of the screw you, kind of also, I'm, I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, listen, like I've endured, not me. I mean, I, of course I have, you know, it's in mental health troubles from the pandemic. Yes. But like, you know, people have endured so much um, stress and for what for a company mm -hmm. for organizations doesn't give a shit like a bleep about mm -hmm. them you know mm -hmm. like these I think what boggles my mind and I think this is I know a lot of people talk about this is like it's it doesn't make any sense why a hospital would pay a traveler an exorbitant amount of money um, and this, and I love travelers, frankly, and I mm -hmm. would love to love to be a traveler sometime, you know, mm -hmm. but like, why do they pay the traveler, you know, this exorbitant amount of money for three months and not raise up the salary of the 
existing staff who've endured the pandemic, like, like it seems like it just doesn't make any sense. Like make your staff that has the years and the, and the, and the, like all of that historical knowledge, make them happy to, and make them stay so that like, you don't have to use travelers anymore. Like I just, I mean, we're no, we're nowhere near not using travelers. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. I think we're, we're going to be mm-hmm. in this boat for a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. And again, no, no, nothing bad about travelers, but we're talking mm-hmm. about a broken system here. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, and I, and I think some of it has to come from us saying like, no, we actually deserve better. We will leave. We will strike. We will, whatever it is, um, you know, um, and we'll just not take it anymore. Like, frankly, I'm in a place that's awesome. Um, but we, and I love our, I love where I work. I love the organization, Mm -hmm. but we're all a little fried. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're working on retention bonuses and things like that. But like, um, and we've got great patient ratios, but like we're, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we have, um, we have so much work to do and the, like, maybe I shouldn't say we, maybe we, we universally as, as, as nurses do, but like, I think we should come together and I think we should have a national strike day, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but the hospitals need to, uh, pay nurses more money. Well, a couple points um, I heard there that I can help with one is why do they pay these high exorbitant rates and not just pay the nurses? They're looking at the books. Um, so the travelers, the short-term pay, pretty soon after about a year of this nonsense, you know, spending millions of dollars for travelers, and I say nonsense because it's short-sighted, um, they're going to see, oh, the books are, we're spending, you know, $2 million dollars. I see it on my books. I see this last unit I was at, we were 400,000 over budget for staffing because it was travelers. So they're going to, but if they were just to say, Hey, I'm going to raise everybody $10 an hour, that would be on the books forever. Um, So that's Mm. how they look at it. So that would be a million dollars extra on the books for the next 20 years uh, and on there. So that's how they think about why they don't just raise it because they also are not sure um, how long this is going to go. Um, they know that nurses will travel. They know that. Um, but, there, but there's a, a across the country, there was just a, a big magnet conference and there was a big CNO conference about how to bring people back to the bedside. So I don't think they really have the answers yet, but they're not ready to say, okay, we're going to raise the books by $10 an hour yet. Um, they're, they're still in the kind of, well, wait, I think there's more we can do. I, I, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think they're going to win. Nurses are going to win. Nurses do own the workplace right now. Well, however, I'm starting to see, uh, forget about the damn hospitals. Um, forget about them. Um, trying to get them to um, look and give nurses what they want. I look at more as like, why don't nurses do like anesthesiologists do? Form a, and stop the argument about, oh, we don't, we don't uh, get to bill. Who cares? It, hospitals never talk about that. They, they, that is not what drives them, the fact that nurses don't bill. Um, nurses could bill, they don't bill. I mean, hospitals could bill, but they don't. So why don't nurses organize like anesthesia groups do? You have the MAC group in Northern California. Every freaking anesthesiologist in the North Bay is part of MAC. Mac, Mac gives them their insurance. Mac gives them their pay. Mac has a board of directors. Mac tells the hospital what they will and won't do. Mac has their overtime rates. Mac has this, Mac has that. It's like a travel agency, but a travel company, not travel. Yeah. But it's owned um, by, by, by the nurses. I don't think nurses have completely finished with how they're going to end up here. Um, in this healthcare crisis and exodus, they have to come up with some ways that are gonna be sustainable for them. Depending on the hospital, I don't know. Um, I'd like to see agencies too, um, nursing travel agencies that say, I have a thousand nurses, a hundred nurses I can send you, but they're demanding ratios. Uh, Alabama, I can give you a hundred critical care nurses or 50, whatever you, but but my nurses need um, ratio. They need one to two and they need one to four on tele. Um, that's the only way they're going to come. So I think nurses need to use their power a little bit more and stop looking to the hospital as sugar daddy. Uh, Cause I don't think the hospitals have the agility 
remember they're run by these nurse leaders that we don't even like. Mm -hmm. So you're asking these nurse leaders uh, to somehow reinvent themselves and treat people like equal adults when they didn't. I I think you're asking for people to be something that they're not capable of. Um, Especially when you get outside California, California has some really low turnover rates like Stanford. Yale does too, though. They're the lowest in the country, 7%. So they're doing something right. Everybody can learn from them, but everybody doesn't. So there's not a hospital in the country that can't learn from Stanford what they're doing in Yale, but it costs money. It costs money. You know, it's lots of education. It's clinical ladders. It's, you know, it's good pay. It's conferences, da, da, da. So there's lots. Sorry. We know know all all this. this, And we're not learning. And we're not learning. And I think we need to stop thinking that these nurse leaders that we don't even like in the first place that we're trying to get away from are all of a sudden going to reinvent themselves. I don't think they have the capability. First of all, nurse leaders see nurses as entitled. I hear it all the time. There's a bit of a um, anger towards these nurses. And so I don't even think they have the compassion and care to really bring nurses back. So I think nurses have to sort of organize unions, I think are great, but they take a lot to organize. Not everybody's pro-union, but everybody is pro-collective voice on what we will take and what we don't want. I'm surprised that more agencies haven't said, trial nurses haven't said, I'm in Alabama or Chicago. I can send you a bunch, but they only do it on a one to four ratio. I mean, all that takes is an agency to say that um, and for nurses to all get onto that agency. I'm like, boom, boom. Um, but I think it's still evolving what nurses are going to do. See, we had a lot of power in the eighties and nineties. We had some very strong nursing leaders. They came out of the military, uh, and they invented the magnet concept when it truly was powerful concept, the magnet, not a commercial thing, which it is now to a degree. Uh, and we had nursing leaders that knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk. I mean, they, they were at UCSF and we don't have those people anymore. We have these people that you know, they go out to lunch and, you know, that's all fun because they're a nursing leader. I can just run to lunch and I can even shop while I'm out there and can sit in my office. And, you know, there, there's a lot of nursing leaders I see. I would say uh, interim leadership of which I've done for the last five years and I've been director of CNO. So I see a lot of leaders and I say probably two out of five, three out of five, maybe at the most. Um, so, you know, 20, 30% are caring, compassionate leaders, uh, maybe let's see 30, 40%, 60% are, 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 and I hate to say this for leaders, but they're, they're shit. They're crap. Uh, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time going to these interim hospitals, getting rid of shitty leaders. I mean, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of strategy. How the F am I going to get rid of this person? Who's just friggin' nasty, nice to my face, shitty to the nurses. Uh, I spent a lot of my time, a lot of my time um, training I don't mind retraining nurses. Oh, the ones that love to learn, they're great. They just don't know. But the ones that are nasty and um, don't really want to change, there's a lot of them out there. And uh, so I think we're asking a lot to tell ask these people to reinvent nursing so that we'll come back to the bedside. Eh, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Hmm. Well, thank you for helping lean the fat if you... If- <laughs> Cut the cut the <laughs> cut the bad the bad leadership out there because yeah. I yes, mean, a lot. Mm, yeah, that would be so hard to. Um, I personally haven't been under poor leadership mm. yet ever. So, um, oh, good, you have not. You said I have not. Mm-mm. Good, good. I I've only had one. And good, we're lucky. We're lucky. We're lucky. People, yeah, we're lucky, and we're on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky, but a lot of people, that's not the case. And um, I just think nursing is reinventing itself, but it's still in the very, very new form. And we don't know how it's going to come out. We don't know yet. We don't know. We're still in the midst of the washing machine turbulence right here. Well, well, the healthcare system is collapsing because our, 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 it runs on us. It runs on us. us. 4 million nurses. I mean, it's the the backbone of the healthcare system. And we, and I mean, we need to be valued more, but I think we have to put the value in ourselves. Like you're saying, and, and, you know, we are primarily female force. Um, 
which, you know, I think were meeker and just traditionally have not had this voice, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've just Mm -hmm. been like, okay, sure. We'll do it. You know, Mm -hmm. we might feel bad about it, but we'll, we'll do it, you know? Um, but like, I don't know, you know, we, we need to find a way, um, to, to, uh, what is it that I'm to like our lev our leverage? I mean, we have a shit ton of leverage right now. If you really think about it, right? Mm, because we own, yeah, you own the workplace. You just don't know it. You own it. Nurses own it. The power is in the nurses. This is like the '60s uh, with the grape. People don't even remember the grape boycott. Um, people boycotted grapes, and we got uh, workers' rights for Cesar Chavez's groups. I mean, people don't realize because they, you know, these people they have never demonstrated like we did in the '60s. We demonstrated all the time for the war, the Martin Luther King walks and whatnot. And uh, nurses have failed to even take a, a one-day walk. Um, they don't believe in it because they they haven't seen it. But um, nurses need to get that collective voice together because you own the workplace and you funny, you just don't know it. I mean, I know you know it because I know you own it because I can see uh, how I have to staff when I walk into a place that's 50% travelers. Um, You own it. Um, You own it. You have a powerful voice that is not a collective uh, united voice right now. It doesn't even have to be all the same thing. You don't have to all agree on unions. You don't have to agree on that. But you have to agree on a few basic things that you will put up with and you won't put up with. Like I, I will put up with a working place that has ratios. I won't put up with a workplace that doesn't have workplace violence um, strategies in place. Um, I will and I won't. Um, you know, there has to be some agreement of what nurses will and won't won't tolerate. Uh, that at least the nurses can start with that and agree with that and put that out because this is a a time for the healthcare to be breaking, but the people that are the most essential are the nurses and they have the power. They have the power if they can use the power like we did in the sixties. I mean, just go for a friggin' walk down Washington, but nurses won't do it because they don't know what it looks like and they don't know what the benefit is. Can you imagine if nurses took a walk? Like we talked from Walt walked with Martin Luther King, or we walked for the war for Vietnam. Can you imagine if they walked on the plaza one day oh, in Washington? Yeah, just imagine somebody freaking get the goddamn group organized and walk on Washington. Can we just do it in 2022? Be- there, there was that one woman uh, impact. Do you know impact? Yes, there I'm was- working with them. Oh, but, cool. Yeah, but COVID kind of put a put a damper on them on that on that march. And maybe um, the march will come back. Um, yeah, impact is is organizing very strategically. And I'll have to hook up because I'm part of the one of the leadership groups for them. Um, it's it's a lot. They're doing it very strategically. So they're kind of building the foundation first rather than just going out um, doing the march. But maybe once I read a little bit more where they are, um, the march will come back. Because I, I, I mean, the leaders, I'm doing a talk coming up at a big convention. I don't want to say which one it is, but it's huge okay. in the country. Um, and uh, well, I guess I could say it's ARN. Um, and my title of the, um, the discussion I'm teaching is uh, who owns the workplace, how to bring leaders and nurses back to a shared governance, collaborative leadership, because that's what it has to be. It has to be this. It has to be collaborative, yeah. shared governance together. Yeah. Otherwise, the nurses are not coming back. They're not coming back. Yeah. And then they're like, but why? Yeah, I want to leave and make f- six times as much as I'm going to, you know, make and... I don't know. You make whatever. Like right now they see it. They're like, okay, I can leave and I can take a break and I can go make a, a shit ton of money somewhere else for a short period of time. And that sounds good to me. Like that's, that's the way I think like in a way you're talking about, like we do own the workforce in that way. And we're, yes, we do. so, I mean, we could use it in other ways. <laughs> you definitely could use it. Once people start thinking about how much they own it, because I don't think that concept is set in because they think, oh no, I still have to put up with shit. You can walk away from your job. That's called a boycott. You can boycott your job any day you want next week. And you can go on a traveler. That's a boycott. And that's a powerful leverage for change. I, I think women start to need to start thinking like this, how much you own the workplace. They're not sure what they really want out of this nursing exodus. And 
if they want to come back to the bedside, if they just ever even want to, then they have to use their voice. Maybe people don't want to ever come back, but I think, I think a lot do. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's an exciting time, a turbulent time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not over yet. <laughs> just, it's just, it's just begun this whole just turbulence. Getting, yes. It's, we're just getting started. I think people, they're just like waking up from all the trauma and everything and just going like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. this isn't going anywhere also. Mm-mm. So yeah. they're like, yeah. well, I mean, that's part of my thing is like, been sort of like, well, you know, when this ends then you know, kind of like think about what I'm doing, but it's never going to end. Not, 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 <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not for at least a couple years. No. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've gone all over the place in this interview. Um, but you to- know, we've, ha- we've, we've touched on all the questions you had written down because I, I'm keep looking at them like, Oh yeah, yeah. we did that. We did that we did that. Yeah, no, it's fabulous. You, I mean, you're a fantastic guest. I'm just honored that you're on the show. I love what you're up to. Um, Johnny, I love talking with you. It's yeah, been great. It's I, I want to have fun. more private conversations with you. We'll have to connect because yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I want to have the listeners out there, you know, go over to oneworldnursing.com, find out what Joni's up to there with her cool, uh, retreat, not retreats, sorry. Well, I mean, they're trips. They're trips. Yeah, they're trips. Tri- they're trips for nurses that offer CEUs. Um, sounds like with some amazing speakers, TBD. Yeah. Or <laughs> you'll find out soon. Um, you know, but the public doesn't. Um, and then, um, you know, it sounds like you're in, into some really cool work with Impact. Um, I know you're on the last pizza party, I think, mm-hmm. in the Facebook group. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, you're up to some really cool stuff. Uh, before we close, I want to find out where are you finding light? Um, what brings you joy right now? It really brings me joy to have the balance of, um, going to France and France is a civilized country. They're older than us. They've got this work-life balance thing fixed out, uh, years ago. Um, so people do a lot of work-life balance and over there. So that gives me a lot of light and, um, and then working, working on my business, um, just trying to make, just leave something for nurses that, you know, leave this world a little better than I, than I found it for nursing. And, um, yeah, but I would say France, you know, going, going to France and, and being over there. Um, and I can work from there and going to Sri Lanka and helping them. Um, and my husband, my husband, I'm, I'm in Hawaii without my husband. I realize, oh, things look brighter when you're with your person you love. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I mean, I- Hawaii might be nice, but it's might nice to be there with the one you love. Nicer to be there. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, uh, so cool talking to you, Joni. Um, I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm just going to close this show out and say, uh, stay safe and stay sane, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Nicole. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.